is there anything you, else you'd like, would really like to talk about? We no, did, we did. No, you just, you just. Cool. Do the thing. You just do it. Did we just do the thing? Yeah. For sure. I love, awesome. I love hanging out with you, Eddie. Yeah, it's fun, eh? <laughs> not, I mean, not that I know what it's like to hang out with me, but it's fun hanging out with you. Well, no, I know all too well what it's like to hang out with me. So I'll... I'll they're excited for they're the podcast excited. to start. Yeah. I'm excited for the podcast SM57 to start. SM57 would have picked that up. There was some <laughs> screaming people outside. They're still going. They're still going. But SM7, yeah, or a road... Yeah. <laughs> Yes, here we are on the road in them, them, thems. Yeah. Two lovely South Island lads. Up oh, Under an are. hour apart. Under an hour apart. I'm sitting here with Eddie Costello of the Dictaphone Blues and of Eddie Costello. Have you always thought it's the Dictaphone Blues? Because I just say I, it can be. Like people, Is it people, blues? people just call yeah, it's Dictaphone Blues. Fuck. But people just people call it Dictaphone as well. That really hurts me, Eddie. And I see, I, I would, we would, to, to the guys in the band, we would just call it D-Blues, which was... Oh, my God. Is even probably, it was just less to say. D-Blues. D-Blues, yeah. I have always thought it was the Dictaphone Blues. That's and fine. I feel kind of bad about that. I wouldn't. Because I was very a pre- very pretentious teenager who yeah. was very into foals. And people would say, oh, you like the foals? And I would say, it's foals. Get it right. And so now I, uh, teenage Isaac is now going to beat adults. <laughs> this, this won't take a second. That's people. why me and Karen, Isaac's... we named our high school band um, These Dancing Wolves. So no one could put oh. the These Dancing Wolves in front of oh. it. Oh, that's quite a, a developed thought process for a young person to have. There's not much else to do in Timaru. Yeah. Except think about things like that. Yeah. Uh, and the two towns we mentioned. The two towns. I grew up in Timaru. It's the Lord of the Rings, the two towns. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, the two towns. And you grew up in Ashburton. I did, yeah. Yeah, I was born in Nelson and then when I was about two, um, I, I moved to Ashburton. And one of my earliest childhood memories is um, – showing up in Ashburton and I don't know whether we were just visiting to see what it was like. I remember staying in a motel. You've been showing up in Timaru? Hmm? You've been showing up in Timaru? No, no, showing showing up in Ashburton oh, as, a, as, a two, as a two-year-old. Oh, yeah. um, and I don't know whether we were visiting to see what it was like or whether the, whether the house that my parents had bought, we couldn't move in there. We got there a couple of days early. But I remember standing up on a balcony of like a motel um, on the main street, East Street, and um, and thinking, wow, we live in like, you know, this is our, we live in a, mo-. well, I didn't have the, th- I didn't think as a two-year-old we live in a motel, but that was my first, one of my first memories. And then showing up at the house and going underneath the walnut tree and um, one of my parents going, oh, wow, we've got a walnut tree and picking up walnuts as a, as a kid, as a two-year-old. I, th- I, two. I only found out I was two. Later on, because I've always had this memory. What's your earliest memory? It's traveling between a hedge when my traveling. <laughs> you mean like crawling, crawling, walking, <laughs> traveling, <laughs> just walking? <laughs> Isaac doesn't walk. He travel. As uh, I traveled <laughs> I, through, a, were you an embryo or something? You big, traveled. This big headed thing I have of like everything I do is this like gigantic thing. I was traveling. Mm. My my parents moved next door. So we, we lived in one house and then we yep. moved next door to the next uh, house. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I remember yeah. moving through yep. the hedge instead of going around the front. We would there was like a hedge separate and they had a gate and we would move through. And there. that was a thing. Like, and hey, I, I must have user. been Four, I yeah. think, around then. It is weird to think of those, uh, like find out that those memories were way younger than you probably assume, eh? Yeah, I almost felt like my um, siblings didn't believe me, you know, when I said that that was my, that was my memory and they were like, you don't remember that, you're, you're too, you don't remember. You're making that up. You're making that up, you know. But it's like that with dreams, yeah. Do you have a lot of dreams? Because uh... I, I asked that because like you like to smoke weed. I have done. Yeah. You have done. I have, I have smoked weed. And when I smoke weed, yep. I don't dream. 
because oh, okay. because apparently it suppresses like REM sleep a little bit. Right. And I and so like and I've people that I've met because that's kind of the main drug I've dabbled with in my life really. Yeah. Um, so you talk to it, you know, stoner chat is a real thing. Yeah. Um, the the, the, the um, lack of dreams is actually something that I've picked up. I, I, I haven't noticed um, I've like, I don't know, over the last know, six months to a year smoke a lot less yeah. than I once would have. And I haven't noticed an increase in dreams. Do you dream in black and white or do you dream in colour? I think it's colour. I think it's colour. And do you, are, sure are you dreaming from your, your viewpoint or are you viewing yourself in your dreams? Because apparently that's different for everyone. I'm, I'm from my own viewpoint. Cool. Me too. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And often it's, have you had the dream that you know, one, you can't work out whether it's a real place or not, or a dream, or two, to, um, it's like, you know, you might be dreaming and thinking, I've been here in real life before. That's one thing. But, Another thing that I get is dreaming about somewhere that you think you've dreamed about before. Oh, that's quite meta. No, I haven't had that. Um, and you're, you're in this dream and you're in this place, um, might be doing something really normal. Like it might be like driving a car down a certain part of the road, you know, and you see the poplar trees. You would have had poplar trees in. Um, Timaru. I'm so no. bad at botany. <laughs> um, and and like you might think, oh gosh, I've had this, I've been here in a dream before, and here I am again. So you actually, um, you realise you're in a dream. Uh, it's yeah. That's kind of like loose. Is that not like lucid dreaming when you realise you're in a dream? Yeah, yeah. Is that what that is? Shit. I think so. Yeah, that's when you can start like. Apparently, I've never done it, but like, apparently, that's when you can start. Like, oh, I know I'm in a dream. I can start fucking with it and doing, making the dream do things. If you like, keep going, apparently. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, when you like, it's funny that you like you you remember that in Ashburton. Is do you remember when you first? Do you remember when you first noticed music? Like, what's your like earliest music Singing, memory? Not too much older, probably three or four, um, I was that kid that my parents would say, sing the, sing this family a song, sing the aunties and uncle a song and get up on the, on the chair and sing the theme tune to an 80s TV show called The Greatest American Hero. Wow. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I, I never thought I could feel so. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of yacht rocky, really. <laughs> um, and this guy who was like a, um, a superhero, but he was um, befuddled, it's probably not the right way. He was really clumsy and like he could get up in the air, he could fly, get up in the air, but he would always crash land and forget how to do it in mid-air, you know, and come down and, you know, and crash. And like he would always, you know, there would be something that, a, a, you know, like a superhero needed to do, you know, like, you know, save New York or wherever the Sacramento or wherever Classic, the fuck yeah, it was filmed. Yeah. And he would eventually get it done, but it would, you know, be through a comedy of errors. Beautiful. And you sung the theme tune. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're so, I, I guess, like, I've never really explained where I first became aware of you. The first thing I remember of you wasn't it through singing the I was <laughs> greatest American and hero that you brought theme. that memory up because I was there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember thinking, I think this kid's got a future. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, I, I know that my earliest memory of you and being oh. aware of you is is the the tour you did with Tono. Tono, yeah. Where yeah. you were both on the poster and the whole setup for the tour was as if uh, you were like competitive rivals. <laughs> Do you yeah. remember that? I, I remember it. Can yeah, yeah. I found the photo not so long can ago. Can you tell me about that? Because like that's, that's, I always thought that that stuck in my brain as like a brilliant thing. I didn't know Tono at the time and I didn't know you. I just saw that poster and read the like So did you not go to, from, I thought you went to Dunedin from... Um, Timaru I did. you met but, but you didn't meet Tono and that crowd down there I met there? Tono up in Auckland we, we arrived just left? as they'd left oh okay 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 
Uh, I can't remember what we were thinking. <laughs> it was brilliant, though. I can remember. Um, I can remember that around that time we had an album coming out, and he did. And at some stage, I was like, "Oh, I've got this King's Arms show," and we had started um, hanging out. He had been in Auckland. He hadn't been in Auckland that long, I don't think. And then. Um, it was just like, oh, it makes more sense to, you know, like he, I, I think we got a date, we got a date at the King's Arms and he and we were always in touch and hanging out and he was like, I can't, can't find a date everywhere's booked for this window when, you know, I want to do the release. And I was like, well, it makes, we're probably not going to do that well at the King's Arms, you know, it's 450 people, you know. Um, why don't we team up and do like this album launch? So how did you... Get, how did you and Tono and like the Dunedin scene get connected? He came along to a Dictaphone Blues gig at uh, Chicks. We played heaps of gigs at Chicks um, as soon as um, I guess Mikey McLeod started um, booking it. I wasn't aware of Chicks, I don't think. And then he, um, I don't know, was that going? Chicks? Before, or did Mikey start having indie bands there? Where, was, it was going before he. Took it over. So like I'm, I'm, I am so out of it because you I, weren't here when that was going. No, because I was like Timaru. I wasn't aware of anything. Oh, until this I, was is, I thought oh, I would have thought maybe you would be been in um, uh, England by then, but then that's why you didn't know. No. Okay, so um, he just came up to us at Checks. Tono did after we played to I don't know fifty people or something. Um, but it was a sick show, you know, the Mirrorball was going, you know. Right, that yeah. kind, You know, like very vibey Dunedin show. Some of our best gigs have ever, I've ever played have been in Dunedin to 50 people or less. I think that's but a lot of people's stories, But the vibe is and you play really well and everybody's getting slightly tribal. <laughs> not, not fully tribal. But like a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And then there's a killer after party. South you know? Island is cutting loose. That's yeah, like. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Tono just came up after after the show and started chatting. Um, what, a, what a beautiful man. And then uh, he was up in the next – he called into the lab one time when he was up on for a gig. He was mm. just – he's always – he's good at crossing the floor as, um, as our Tono, you know, like he'll go and say hello or whatever. <gasps> Excuse me. Good beer. Burp is courtesy of little creatures. Hello. Yeah, he's he's because the how I met Tono is like we were doing he'd left and two cartoons had started and BFM was the one that picked us up and put us on fancy new band showcase and did a whole bunch of stuff and like flew us up because Dunedin didn't really f- mess with us at all in that early stage mess with us yeah yeah uh, and but I remember meeting like somehow we just Tono met us at a cafe when we come up to Auckland to like just help us out like just give us some advice and like just like you know lend a, a hand kind yeah, of, yeah yeah which i i've always thought was like incredibly kind probably set the tone for a kind of how i see being a musician and being a creative person that's how i met him there and i've i was we were already a huge fan of course so it was kind of crazy mm. to, to to see him and do all that um mm. but yeah he's always been like a really lovely Lovely guy He's like nice that. He's a nice chap. He's a nice chap. But like there, there was a whole scene going down in Dunedin. Like what was there – was there like a similar kind of thing happening in Auckland at the same time? Like what, what was going on? Totally. And what was going just on in as, Auckland at the same time? Oh, in Auckland? Yeah. Were you – At when, when, when – Kind of that Tono like doing, era. Like what I don't know. Happening? I mean I don't think I was uh, – it's like part of a scene so to speak but I was going out. I mean like there were – before like before Whammy Bar, the, you know, like um, we used to go to gigs at the Schooner Tavern um, and the sort of well, – I moved to Auckland in 2006 from mm-hmm. Sydney and – um, the Schooner Tavern, which is where um, sort of Britomart is kind of. Right. Um, and then that was going. Matthew Crawley was booking that. Um, I was uh, – oh, Little Chief, I guess, was playing. A lot, of, a lot of Little Chief bands were kind of active. Ruby Sons, Brunettes, Reduction Agents. Reduction agents yeah. um, nudie Suits. Um, 
Ed Cake was doing stuff. I, I moved into a flat on Sandringham Road where, um, which was sort of um, a bit of a sort of dodgy old kind of brick building. It's still there and it had a double garage out the back and all of the bands used to practice there and um, I was playing in the Cosby, playing drums in the Cosbys and drums in the Ruby Sun. So I guess that was the, that was the scene that I was doing and doing dictaphone blues on, on making music and the bedroom and getting a band together and stuff like that. So like you, you came up, I, don't, we, we, I mean, like, I was playing music, but, I, you know, like, a scene, you know, I mean, like, but I, would I don't call know. That a scene. There's a weird thing that some people have about calling <laughs> shit like that a scene. Like, it's it's just a word to describe. I'm the only bands weird that about it because time. I feel, yeah, I'm only weird, I, I'm only coming across as weird about, as because I'm not sure I understand what you mean or people that. Talk about a scene, you know, like as a scene, a group of people that, yeah, all hang out and run in the same circles, but also kind of sound, you know, like there's a sound, yeah, and an, an ethic, or, or I mean, there's an ethic for sure, but like, yeah, there's this great quote, and um, I'm a huge, me and Brad are both massive soul wax nerds. Um, oh, I, and we completely bonded over this documentary called Part of the Weekend Never Dies, which is like the Soul Wax documentary. And there's this great- The quote, Belgian band, yeah. Soul Wax. Well, it's when they started DJing and making like electronic music. Right. And um, there's this great quote in that documentary from James Murphy. It cuts from someone kind of being like, it wasn't like, we didn't sound the same. Like, I don't like calling it a scene to James Murphy being like, well, we were all just like friends. It was a scene like we played, we, wherever we went, we saw the same people and yeah. we all hung out. We did that uh, thing, like yeah. what's wrong with calling it a scene? Yeah. And I've always really identified with that. I, I guess think. there was a scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for me, like, and you probably have a bit of this as well, I, I, uh, depending on how aware you were of like what was going on in New Zealand music when you were still like away from it, like in Ashburton or in Sydney. But when I was in Timaru, I, because of a friend of mine, James, who was like quite, up to finding out a lot was going on, I was aware how much of an outsider to what was going on was. So I thought of everything as a scene. I was like, there is in like- The I, scene is, is the where scene I is, am yeah. not. Yes, exactly. I think that's probably where that Damn comes from. Damn you, Timaru. <laughs> we had an electric confectioners gig. That was great. They were a fucking good band. They were a great yeah, band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't play enough. I never. I only saw them like maybe once or twice. We could put that on every New and Zealand band's gravestone. That that um, guy Jicey. I, I don't know whether he still plays music. I I've seen him play in another couple of bands, the Sykes. I think he was in a band called the Sykes. But I don't know what he's doing now. Um, he was always um, quite quite a chill dude. But he made some great, um, yeah, like um, Paisley sort of you know psych. Uh, rock, yeah. So you were playing in, like you see, like drumming in the Ruby Suns, mm. and then all the little chief stuff was happening, and played what, bass in the Brunettes. Oh my god, a little bit. This is funny. Like you and I, there's all this thing. Like actually, it's kind of a lab thing, where any anyone I hang out with at the lab, or like have have discussions with, or hear them talking about other stuff. Mm. There's like. Over and over, like, oh yeah, I was in this band and I did this, and like, it's all I think these it's bands kind of, I've heard of all the time, and you guys are just so fucking casual about like. <laughs> it's part of being well, you know. For me, it's part of being forty plus. Like, it's just like you know, right. like, yes, I mean, you know, I like playing music, and you know, um, like the Cosby's, a band that I was not the Cosby's. <laughs> fucking so funny. <laughs> Because everybody goes, because the band's called The Conjurers. I was in The Conjurers. But everybody else goes to me like over, we were together for like eight years or something. It was the longest running band that I've been in. But because Matt Crawley was the singer and Gareth Shute was the bass player in both bands, everybody would come up to me and Brad and Vincent, the three members that weren't in The Cosby's. And would go, oh, hey, you're in The Conjurers. Sorry, you're in The Cosby's. And we were like. We're in the fucking Conjurers <laughs> and they're much, you know, <laughs> but different and we're thrashier and, you know, this kind of stuff. I think we played with you guys before yeah, we Yeah, two cartoons played, yep. At, no, it was when you came back. It was at Lucha Lounge, wasn't it? That was, was it, before we left. Was that before? And that was the... I think that's where I met you both. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. And that was the second four-piece gig we'd ever played and 
Peter Ruddle from Wax Channels and um, basically Man About Town producing everyone at the moment now works at Weber. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. played he played in that Pedro. band. What did he play? He played guitar probably and Carl from his band Yolanda yep. at the time I know, played I know Yolanda. I recorded some early stuff for oh them. My God. See, that's the thing. I think that's why like I am not a – like you're, you're into like the Beatles. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Or like you're, you and Brad. Are you not? Okay, yeah, I am. I I like it. I'm a. I like George. Don't Harrison. don't put. I'm we might be sitting thing. on separate couches, <laughs> but doesn't mean one of us is Beatles and the other one isn't. You no, know? I know. But I think when say like me and Brad were always together meeting everyone, right? And mm. it's, I guess it's kind of like twins. Like we, you need to have your own. Like you Danny have, DeVito and um, much Arnold Schwarzenegger like than a real twin. Yeah. Um, you, I guess there was always a striving to have our own relationships with each person we met. Right. Brad was always the music historian because he grew up in a family who was like, he listened, he knows, he, his depth of music knowledge. Going is backwards. crazy. It's crazy. So I think like part of that was part of my reaction of like, I never, I was like, fuck, well, I don't want to look backwards. Back, backwards is late. Mm. But whenever we would hang out with you and it, it, you also had that real passion for things that came before that you and Brad shared as well. And I think like now that I've had some separation from that, that's something that I like really, really like. And like looking back on it, I'm like, oh, wish I, I should have just paid more attention to that. But that's what I mean by you like the Beatles. Oh, right, 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 I mean? right. Like, right. I, I'm, I'm only discovering now that I like the Beatles. Right. <laughs> I've got some pretty, you know, some things that you'd be really into. But, but yeah, yeah, they, they wrote some okay songs. Yeah. <laughs> But, but what I was saying is that like, so for me, I was always, I had to, because I liked music so much, I had to focus on other things. So like I would find New Zealand bands or things that were happening now and I, I like really loved all those things. So like when you talk about like the, when I got to sit down with you, when I had a conversation with like you. now? The, like now. But this or or is, back, back then. Back then, but Should also Should we travel now. back then? <laughs> Let's travel through the hedge of time back then. You tell me what. Yeah. Well, it, I, I was always striving to have my conversation with Eddie. Oh. And, I, and, I th- and I think it was always. Isaac, we've had our moment. And, but that's the thing. Yeah. I think it was always based around like what. We, when you're like, oh, I was in this and I was in that and I was here in this thing, this was happening. That was my thing where I was like, that's right, so right, fucking right, cool. Right, 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 right. You had a hand okay, in okay, okay. I think that's why, like, I probably spent a year after we did, for those of you who don't know, Two Cartoons put out a, a very last song called uh, Less People and it was uh, uh, recorded and I would say produced and also featuring um, Eddie. He snuck some backing vocals in there. Um, and <laughs> Can I have the um, opener? Thank part you. of the reason for that band ending for many well, reasons I've talked part about. Part of the band ending was because I did well, those backing vocals. No, because you helped us make the song I'd always wanted to make with two cartoons. And uh, I was like, cool, it's done. We did it kind of thing. Right. Um, and I, You I, were already selling your guitars to buy turntables by that point though, weren't you? Another yeah. classic reference there. I like that. <laughs> James, James Murphy's coming up again. <laughs> yeah, I think, well... You know, dirty secret is I never really owned anything. I just used yes, everyone yes, else's yes, guitars. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. Yeah. yeah, I'm one of those guys for sure. Yeah. Um, but part of that whole experience that I loved was that the lab. I didn't know about the lab. Mm. I didn't. I hadn't actually even met like a lot of the people that have that work in there and have studios in there. Um, now I'm kind of coming to realize like really how much amazing stuff. <laughs> people, things have happened in that space. And like, how long have you had a studio? I didn't, there? I mean, and that, excuse me, um, probably, I mean, like when I first came back, when I came back to, um, to Auckland in 2006, I knew that um, my friend Joel um, was hanging out down there and had a space and I knew that um, – a friend of mine, Ollie, who I'd met in Christchurch, he was a sound guy um, and and a live sound guy in um, Christchurch in the late 90s, we know, um, moved there from Ashburton. Um, I knew that Ollie was running the show and Joel had the had a little studio there. So I just, um, I think I naively, you know, moving to Auckland, rung up Ollie and said, hey, do you have any, um, do you have any work going? You know, I'll come in and, you know, he was like... Pfft. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 No. Nah, like, 
come and hang out, you know, you know. Um, but um, yeah, that's yeah, you know, this isn't, you know, um, what was him? I guess York York Street was going there. Were, you know, like I had an unrealistic expectation of. I think I was just putting myself out there as well, um, and uh, you know, ended up going down there and um, having jams with those guys and. Um, there's a few. It's not as like um, soundproofed as it is now. Oh, like really? This, you know, like it was a bit more open plan, but then um, slowly other spaces got put in. So, sort of, I probably to answer your question, to not, um, you know, ramble. Probably about whatever that is. Let's say 2007. Is that like 14 years? Yeah. Wow. Sort of. Yeah. And um, there's a whole, there was another like 30 years or 20 years before that, you know, like I still think there's heaps of history, you know, yeah, before, I, before I started. Have you, started have, you had any, have you had any moments in the lab with like musicians or groups or things happening in there that you were like, oh, wow, I'm a part of this? Like, do you, do you ever have, like, sen sentimental things like yeah, that? Yeah, totally, all the time, man. I mean, you know, like, any time... Any time something musical happens, it doesn't have to be, you know, something that somebody else thinks is, you know, or a large group of people think uh, is, is good. Cause you know, like, I'm, it might be just me and... Matthias having a jam. Shout or, out Matthias. You know, or or blues. You know, playing some blues and like honestly, like just yeah, being so moved by away. being moved by music. You know, is, yeah, is is the thing. And and like I don't want to sound selfish, but you know, we spend a lot of our time as um, as musicians. Like you develop a sense of hey, or or anybody probably not just musicians, but developer what is successful uh, you what what you deem as successful and i don't want to sound selfish but like it's got to come from the inside you know what i mean like success is how you feel about it how you feel about making the music you know like the last few records that i've made it's been about you know the Album release date doesn't really matter. It was what's gone before that. Have you enjoyed writing the songs? The magic moments during the writing and the recording and the and the the wins and how you feel when you're making that music. And I don't want to sound selfish, but um, it's got to be you know like yeah, it's got to be that. When did kind that? Of first and were foremost. you just always have that understanding? To a degree, but no, I'm as guilty as the next person for walking down you know, K Road and feeling uncool, you know, like, or, you know, the, whatever the musical equivalent of that is, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, like wanting to write music that people like or whatever. But, um, but yeah. So you've been a musician and in bands in Christchurch. I mm. assume in Sydney you were doing music stuff Yeah, as totally, well. yeah. And then Auckland as well. Yeah. Um, how did those three... How did those experiences differ from one another? Um, sort of cut, cutting your teeth in Christchurch and like there was definitely, you know, to pull us back to earlier on in the podcast, if you've been fast-forwarding, naughty you, uh, you won't get this. Um, <laughs> hypothetical listeners. Uh, um, uh, there was a scene, you know, back then, you know, like hang out with the same people and that, that was cutting teeth and feeling, I guess, what it was like to be part of something, you know, mm. and being um, supportive to other um, artists and other musicians and friends and going in on a 50 bag, you know, these kind of things. And then Sydney was much more competitive, I guess, you know, you know, like, like, like a lot of New Zealand musicians, um, you go overseas with, you know, um, want, with, a, with a want to kind of, you know, cultivate, you know, a fan base or, you know, like, you know, you, th you know, wanting to whatever, whatever you feel like at your, in your early 20s is um, succeeding, you know. And, um, but I guess like in Australia we were kind of always like the Kiwi band, you know, mm. like you never, we were living, you know, like, you know, like the, the 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 other bands always kind of 
kept to themselves kind of thing and we were always kind of on the periphery. And then coming back to Auckland, I guess, like feeling like, yeah, I'm like more of definitely on my own, you know, like you're, when you come back to New Zealand, I don't know whether you felt like this when you came back from England, you know, you just, oh, I'm, I'm on my good old piece of dirt, you know, down here in the Pacific Island, in the Pacific Isles, you know, um, a bit more sure-footed in New Zealand. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I think I think that's all the three places. Yeah, what watch. what bands were playing in? What was the scene in Christchurch at the time? So I was playing in a band called Degrees K, and other bands that we were playing with were a band called Clown Dog. Wow. They were like a three-piece punk band, um, kind of like Fugazi, but much more kind of funny, I guess. I mean, Fugazi's funny, but Fugazi. Um, they were much more sort of pop, poppy than, which is something else I don't want to say. Poppy, what fucking pop? It's not a lot of people. Pops. Pop, pop pops. is an overused pops. word. It's you an overused so? word, though. Why? Um, on this day and age, I don't know. Anyway, and who else were we playing days. with back then? Another band called Orchid, a band called Slipstream, um, uh, Grapefruit Moon. Wow. Um, and like venues, what was the like? The Ducks Deluxe, the, the Ducks Jet Deluxe. Set Lounge, uh, the Provincial Tavern, um, the Wunderbar. Oh, um, yeah. Which is like, it's it's really, it's still mind-blowing to me like that a lot of that doesn't exist anymore because totally. of so on, that, you know? the dream, the you know, like my Christchurch, what I remember as Christchurch is now only exclusively available in my dreams. Wow. You know, like I go back there and it's like, well, you know, like the... It's a completely different place. Yeah, like the little, the little alleyways that used to go like... For those of you that remember, no, Cashel Street, it was paved and then running, um, you know, um, parallel to it was like Hereford Street, then Gloucester and then Worcester and then sort of running through all of those, through the shops or through Whitcalls or what, you could kind of like walk through. There was like Chancery Arcade and there was this other arcade and stuff. You kind of walk through it all and then even after we left and we'd go back and we'd play at um, Tim and Johnny Moore's bar called um, Goodbye Blue Monday. I was going to ask about that. Um, and so that, that popped up after we left but uh, after – I left Christchurch, but then when I moved back to New Zealand and we st I started playing, started um, Degrees K and we'd always go back and play at Goodbye Blue Monday. And that was like in a kooky little alley, yeah, you know, alleyway, yeah. and, and nice little outdoor area and stuff like that. And, and, and now just because the earthquakes came through, like this is another thing that I just can't remember, you know, my Christchurch is exclusively available in my dreams and that's, you can't go back there, you know. No. And it's not, it's not gonna. It would be, I don't want to like, you know, like I'm not trying to throw any shade on, on Christchurch or anything like that and um, mucho saroha to all of my friends that have stuck it out and made Christchurch for what, what it is, you know, and what it's become um, and with their pre-quake and stuff. But um, like before the quake, like I was living in Auckland going, what am I doing in Auckland? Christchurch is going off, you know. I should be, you know, all of my, you know, I was just sort of early 30s, mid 30s, I, yeah, early 30s I think and people that I knew and their early 20s or teens, you know, that had grown, they have just started like doing like, you know, their own businesses, whether it be in fashion and or, or, or bars or, you know, yada yada and... They were stretching their, you know, getting stretching their um, wings a little bit. It was like, my God, this place is just um, yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> you know, like mm. um, it's just really starting to go off. You know, and then it's such a yeah, such a bad buzz that Christchurch earthquake. I can tell you now, it's so funny, but I have I have this thing at the moment where I could. The only place I could see myself being other than Auckland is Christchurch nice. for myself right now. And I think because I think that it's maybe 
minimum of two, maximum of five years away from being exactly what you just described again. Right. Like there is, yeah, like I agree with you that up until this point, like everyone there has been doing it hard. Hmm. You know, the darkroom running and Space Academy running is like the lifelines to everything in there and Melted yeah. Ice Cream doing their stuff and mm. like that they are doing and like the, the whole Littleton scene in Wunderbar, like they're succeeding almost in spite of a lack of infrastructure or support around them. Totally. I th- but because I, th- but they're still succeeding, and I think it's showing, a, that there's shit happening there. Like I don't know if you've listened to Ben Woods, totally, or like World Series and those kind of <laughs> amazing. That song fucking rules. I bet you knew I'd be a big fan of that. That song. It's it's, it's silky. It's, it's silky. silky. But like, see, oh yeah, old um. Uh, ben Edwards, who who recorded and produced that, he was in um, my Christchurch band, Dictaphone Blues, and we moved to Australia together. Wow, um, I didn't know that. And um, and then he uh, left, came back like a year before. I stayed on a year, um, and he came back and started getting into, started up a sitting room in various places. Um, he had a couple of studios that were taken out by the earthquake and stuff. Um, he's, yeah, so Littleton Records, um, he's done a big caning job. That, he produced that Ben Wood song, which is really cool. Yeah. I Excuse love it, me. man. Yeah. And it's so, like, I totally, yeah. I have this, like, call to Christchurch in a sense, which is really weird because, to be honest, like, I didn't vibe with Christchurch at all and then what they've done post-earthquake has actually, I've, I keep going back because my parents live in Leeston. So I yeah. actually keep going back quite often. Um, every time I go back, there's like a new thing. There's a new, there's a, there's the, I see different decisions that are being made around and I look at it and I go, that's actually kind of cool. And like, that's actually, there's, there's some kind of real and artistic intention here. And the secondary thing is that it is, I have a whole thing about you should move to the place like there's no point, uh, I, my whole thing, there's no point moving, this is pre-COVID, but there's no point moving to Melbourne or Berlin now because it's already been happening. So the, the, like it's as expensive as it is going to be. You're, you, you're not, usually you should, artists should move to the place that's moved there because it's cheap. Yeah. So you can do art. Which is the reason why people move to Berlin in the first place. Yes. Or, and so like or, the real game is like identifying the places that, aren't already happening. It's about right. identifying like where can I go that I'll have the space and the time to do, to do what it. I want to do. And if, if I have had a few people ask me that kind of question in New Zealand of like, hey, I'm looking to doing music a bit more seriously, like any like advice. And I, I was kind of just like move to Christchurch. Right. So you have less living costs so you can work less so you can yeah. spend more time on your music. Do that for a year or two years. Yeah. And it'll either kick off there or you'll, be able to do so much more mm. than in Auckland where you have to work like 40 hours to pay your 50% of your income to rent. <sighs> yeah. yeah, all that stuff, you know? Uh, and it's, but it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting, I think it'll be a really interesting place in the next five years. It'll continue to be. Continue to be. <laughs> and I agree. grow. Yeah. I agree. Um, I'm a big fan of yours as a person and music. <laughs> and... <laughs> Thanks, Isaac. <laughs> I can take that. I can take you're that. You're doing so and, you well. Know, the feelings mutual, mate. I was wondering, like, you didn't like. I'm, uh, as you know, very no, but listeners may not. I'm, I'm a bit over uh, gratuitous with my um, feelings and compliments sometimes. Even if you <laughs> face at me. Um, it was such a pleasure to have you do the two days compilation. Oh yeah. And I've actually, when the album's been coming out. The, the 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 self-titled album you're oh my record yeah yeah not not two days yeah no yep. but it's actually been a real kind of source of pride of mine that in some ways you being involved in two days and and, totally. and making something is has actually been a part of that totally. record yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I think that's, hey blow your trumpet bro but, but honestly like that is the whole point of that's like the the dream of that 
project is like it helps kickstart someone just with a deadline to yeah. try something new that turns into something as beautiful as your album. Oh, thanks, man. You know, because that was it was like you had asked me to do that, and then COVID, and then the first lockdown hit, and you Level were like, four. "Hey, I'm still I'm still doing it. Are you still keen? <laughs> I understand if you're not." And I was like, "Well, I'm." I'm going, yeah, I'm going to the studio and I'm taking some, I'm taking some stuff home um, to do it. Yeah, yeah, and no string, you know, like I, yeah, hadn't thought that I would do an album. It was just to do the two days thing. Yeah. And then got it set up. And I think I was like whatever that, whenever that, um, I think it was Wednesday, a Wednesday when that lockdown, you had to be home by Wednesday. It was a midweek thing, yeah. 11 p.m. or something. So I got my um, shit home on the Wednesday and set up before, I think I got it set up before dinner, before Millie got home from work and, or before we went to bed and um, had like done, done like, like got it running, got it up and running. And then by the time, so that was like Thursday, Friday, I had done a couple of tunes, which I, I'm pretty sure maybe one or two of them are on the record. And then when I got to the point when it was Friday, when two days started, I already had like a couple of trial songs, you know. So mm. like I started, like full disclosure, I didn't cheat. Like I, I did, the only thing that I did over the weekend was the jam that I um, gave you for two days, but I did get my setup happening and write a couple of songs. Of like I was already on a little bit of a run, and I did. I think I started like after dinner Friday night. I came up with a bass line and, a, and put a drum beat to it or something, and then worked on that sort of thing. And then that, ex- and then gave that to you on the Monday or Sunday or whenever it was, and then that continued for a couple of weeks. Yeah, wow. Um, while I, because it's very, it is. It sounds like you, but it is different. Your material yeah, I mean, that like you've done you in that song. I don't want to be, um, I don't want to, it's not, I don't want to be like super, um, you know, wanky about it. Like to most people, it will probably like, they'll be just like, um, oh, it just sounds like Dictaphone Blues. And I'm cool with that. Like, you know, but it's... Um, I know that I'm kind of doing things that I hadn't done with Dictaphone Blues. It's far more delicate. And it's, it is more delicate, yeah. And, um, and even if it's just I was singing and singing in a different way or, you know, I, I, I wrote it in a different way. The, all the key signatures are a lot lower. Everything is a lot slower. And, um, but, you know, yeah. I mean, I think – and it's natural. I think it's a lot different to what I did before because I'm totally inside it you're, the whole you, time. You're in the sausage. I'm in the sausage. I'm 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 the the pork and fennel. <laughs> or the um, good sausage that one. Or the soy um, you know, nut meat <laughs> or whatever it is. Not a fan of nut meat. I don't knock vegetarianism. <laughs> I don't knock it at all. Or veganism. I love them both, but nut meat, not into it. Not a fan. Yeah. Maybe it's because it comes out of a can. I don't know. Have you ever tried to mince up walnuts and then add, like, say, a bit of soy, a bit of cumin seeds? Just I, can, I can I can send you my walnut mince recipe. If so you, like. you, it's not coming from a can. Isaac's no, doing I, it you make from a, hand. Yeah, whole food. Bliss. I'll come around and cook for you, bro. Blissy. Blissy. Well, oh, it'd be I'm, easier in your place. We'll come to you. Okay, yeah, bl- yeah. I love that. Um, well, you... The new, the new sound, I do that in bunny ears because <laughs> we've got to get a bunny ears in, in each episode. Mm-hmm. Um, how intentional was it and how much was it discovery? Like, Because we both agree you arrived someplace that I think is different than Dictaphone Blues. Cool. Um, was that purely like you messing around and realizing it was different or did you, have, did you set out and try and aim for something different? Um, you don't, whenever a song, I'm not going to speak for all the songwriters in the world. <laughs> um, whenever I'm, I think because I have like made a few, um, albums now, I know enough, whenever you make one and then you have the power of hindsight, you think what you will do next time 
and how not to stifle. The main idea is how to not stifle the creativity, mm. how to keep that going for as long as possible. It doesn't matter what it sounds like or what it is or yeah. what you're striving to do or whatever, just keep the creativity going. Um, so when you're in the middle of it, you're not thinking about, oh, this sound, you know, I've done, I've, I, I have or haven't done this before, you know. Um, and a fresh environment really helped because I wasn't at, down at the lab in a room um, that doesn't have any windows, which is great because you can go down there and you, um, you know, you get in the vibe no matter what time of the day it is. But um, during the time of the year that this record was made, it was still really quite warm. We hadn't changed from daylight saving. Um, I was in the north-facing corner room in the in the apartment house, and um, so there was like a, a sun. There was a time of day which happened, and sort of by by certain points in every. And each day I gotten songs to certain places, you know, and um, I strive to sort of do that each day. So there were kind of, there were boundaries in place. And the first boundary um, um, was um, grabbing the acoustic guitar in the morning and taking it to bed, taking it back to bed, having something to eat, having some coffee um, and trying to come up with some chords on this acoustic guitar and a, and a melody and then it just could be those two things. And um, and then, you know, I guess I only had the instruments that I had taken home, so yeah. I couldn't branch out too far. Limitations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. So you didn't I didn't strive to, no. to do anything. You just, just changed I just the process. Changed the process and tried to keep it going for as long as possible. Wow. And, like, the lyrics that usually take a, you know, like, take ages and keep rewriting and yada, yada, you know, like, just tried to not be so, you know, thought it, you know, like not thinking about, you know, what people will think or, you know, what what I think or, you know, like trusting in that I've done this a couple of times before and, um, and there's no expectation from me or from anybody else and, yeah. Because you're a songwriter, you're a recording engineer... Your mixer. Pretty engineer. I don't think you're, <laughs> you're a real engineer. Thank you. That's okay. I know I've, I, I do like, I do think it depends where you put a mic as to what it sounds like. And if that's in, you know, I think that's the art of engineering and, and, um, and um, trying to, yeah, capture a sound at the, at the source and the performance. And well, I think. Trying to get the best out of somebody. And if I could talk to speak to my experience of record, like I don't know about your experience of recording yourself, but uh, you, my experience of you recording me, you that that's a huge part of it. That's a huge part of it. There's like, especially you do it the way that I kind of think is one of the better ways to do, it, which is we're going to do the live tracks in the room, then we'll work from there. Yeah. Um, you were such a. I would say you were in, in that early phases. You were like a um, what's the guy who's in charge of the orchestra? A conductor. You were like a conductor of vibe. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? I re specifically remember because like that song was quite like, all right, stonking. We're gonna it, go yeah, for totally. it. Yeah, totally. Up tempo. Yeah. We're gonna get up and there's this last big thing and like I just remember it was probably one of the takes we ended up like really smashing. Was like you were in the room like. And I always suspected it was half you were feeling it and half like I know this is going to also create the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, were, yeah. You were also you up were in the room. You and were hip to my game. Honestly, because <laughs> it's but it's like it's a confidence thing. I think like we a lot of people assume musicians and the people creating music are created with this utmost confidence of like I'm creating something awesome. But my, my experience is that most musicians need. Not Some need, coaxing. but it really helps with someone else in the room who's actually providing confidence or providing yeah. like a vibe, to, and that's what gives the performance. Full disclosure, full transparency. I was feeling it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and yeah, I mean, like you know, like if yeah, I mean, like I I when I go to gigs, I go to the front. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I s still do that, and you know, like. You know, my daughter's going to be the girl that, you know, when we go to, I don't know, 
Waitakere Festival or, or if BF, BFM have another um, Tribe Island? No, well, those they what do they have in the, they used to have in the park once a year in Albert Park it's before my time. Used to have a big day, you music know, in the park, music B day, or you know, not oh, not B day. <laughs> that's what you that's what you wash your parts with in in France. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Somebody fucking let me know what that's called. Yeah, the comments um, below somewhere. Um, you know, like, and and I'll be the crazy dad. You know, fucking grooving to the band at the front. You know, like, I I enjoy that. I feel you know, I feel compelled to dance. You I know? guess the question is how you did that for me when I was recording, but how do you do that for yourself when it's you, like when you're doing oh, all right. of it yourself? Yeah, no, I mean, like, you can do a little bit of it when you're singing because you're standing, but, like, if I'm recording anything else, most of the time I'm sort of sitting down. Jay Chilling. Yeah. How do, but, do you, are you good at finding that, keeping that source of confidence and in that, that I guess that's cr- extending the creativity, right? Like, it's the creativity that keeps you going. Like, I'm not, um, I'm not sitting there. I try not to, um, yeah, you create the part and, and like if it's a guitar line, I'll create it and I'll get in the, in the zone and I'll play it for as long as it takes it to get it right mm. and then I'll move on to the next thing. And if I'm vibing the, the, the take, I'll get it, you know, it might take an hour, it might take two days and then you mix the song and then you come back and you'll go, oh, that love it up to fucking the fucking eighth bar but the last four I need to change that and then you'll re-record it you know but like it's never um, that's what's been interesting coming back to all of the recordings and reminding myself of how it goes because I need to know how it goes so that I can when somebody who's and a friend who's learning it um, if they don't if they need me to say how it goes I need to be able to play it you know so this is a very you're this is why I said before the podcast, I just knew you'd be a great guest and uh, you'd probably have a very good podcast of your own because that's, <laughs> a, because that's a very good segue, Eddie, because <laughs> who would need you to... You need l- some segue music. Well, segue. We, we, honestly, for a music segue podcast, the real you, lack of, um, of jingles and, and, and anything musical is a real disappointment to me and I, it's only my fault. Um, <laughs> Why would you need to be relearning parts and why would you need to be teaching anyone parts? <laughs> for the CD? band. Oh, my God, for the band. Tell yeah. me. Because obviously, like, you're, you're a big part of um, – uh, you, you're into this as well, I know. There is re- recording, yeah. studio, it's the whole thing. Go deep. Yeah. But there's also live. Yeah, yeah, love and it. it's the whole thing. Mm. So, like, tell me about, like, what the band is going to be, what the band is like for you in this project. I don't inadvertently the first rule was um with the power of hindsight was you can't have kids. <laughs> but like because <laughs> I'm like I've been playing in bands for a long time and um and you know like it's hard enough to get people together, you know, like with their everyday lives, you know, and then you put kids into the mix. And I've, I've just had a baby, so it's hard enough for me. I don't know what I'm thinking, you know, and thank you to my wife for allowing me to do. Shout out, you know, Millie. Shout out, Millie. Um, to, you know, going to, going to, you know, rehearsals, you know, once a week and stuff like that. But to do that with multiple people, it, it just becomes a bit of a clusterfuck. And um, so when inadvertently when looking at, yeah, the band, it was like that and can you sing as well as play your instrument kind of thing. And um, Is it fair to say you've put together a little bit of a super group? Oh, shh. A super group within the scene? <laughs> kind of. I mean. Um, I don't know, maybe. You've put to, to you, hopefully to some people to and me, hopefully to you because you know the people. It's, it's a group of people that I've had something to do with and some – capacity already, mm. whether it be in the studio or in a live or played with them in groups or are just friends with them or whatever, um, and that I think will get get on and will be a fun time and and will um, – and, you know, th- those basic things, you know, and give the music what it deserves and be in, be into it. How, so, so you're obviously – because you've been translating them 
from recorded into the live band. Yeah. How has that given them a new life? How are you feeling like? Totally, them but I don't. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's been interesting because I didn't know what it was going to be like. But it's not that. It's not to. It's not like an album that can't be reproduced in a live scene no, in a live yeah. setting. You know, like. And the we should drums, say the album is called Mirth. Mirth, yeah. The drum, the drums on the record do come from like an old drum machine, but like it's not like I programmed oh, yeah. it to go. You didn't use the um, the beats. The yeah, beats. I didn't. Yeah, I just like played it with my fingers yeah. um, over my acoustic guitar part, which I had recorded um, to get a feel, and then I sort of moved them to a grid and made loops like that. Made a verse loop and made a chorus loop and then oh I went back over and did some drum fills and some cymbals but like it's not ultimately I wanted it to sound like a good live drum kit you know um so for the drummer Stu it's not m a million miles away from like playing you know kick and snare and hi-hat you know mm. um it's it's made for a bigger band you know like to have more people uh, play the things, but hopefully in having a bigger band, having more people playing less, um, it means that it's kind of Underrated. easier and it sounds better. Underrated you know, idea, I instead think. Instead of having like, oh, it's three people were running samples and <laughs> um, and the keyboard player plays bass with his left hand and, you know, does this and is also doing this. And Everyone's the guitarist, doing a million things. Everybody's doing a million things, which is fun and um, it – appeals to, um, you know, musicality. Um, but there's got to be something said for, you know, somebody, for a band that just sounds good because they're not um, trying to do too much kind of thing. I think so. Yeah. I'm very excited to hear it. And you know what? We won't even tell anyone who's in it. Well, they have to come to the show to find out. Come to the show. So when's uh, – Eddie. Yeah. We've arrived at Plug Nation. <laughs> Plug Nation. <laughs> Maybe we should just cut out all your little jiggers at the table. Well, we'll have them on a little like NPC next to The me. melody's got to go up. It can't go dun, dun, dun. It's got to go Plug Nation. Dun, dun, like McDonald's. Dun, 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 dun. We've just goes been sued up. by McDonald's for, for doing the jingle. Fuck. <laughs> there we have it. <laughs> um, but you are playing this the first time. Yeah, one show only MFs. Um, it's um, Friday 9th of April at Whammy Backroom. So it's a small place, so um, there's not that many tickies, but it'll make for a real good show. That's one and of my like favourite places to see bands. And same. All yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen some great shows there and it sounds good and like from a performer's point of view and you can do things, you can – it's almost like gallery-like, you know, like you can do a different, you know, like a lighting show, you know, it doesn't have an existing vibe. Mm. Yeah. I agree. I concur. I concur. Eddie, it's been really nice, not only like to, you know, obviously this is great content. Yeah. But it's just been really nice to catch up and hang out with you again. Yeah. Because you are, you are a busy man, but you're also an inspirational man. Oh, <laughs> you told me that once um, and, um, you know, I don't know where we were, but like it, it melted my heart, you know. It made, I went home feel, you know, like feeling good about myself, you know, because you, you said something along those lines to me. Well, I know? feel I, – I, And I was like, mate, it, it was equal amounts, mate, chill out and <laughs> – Fucking thanks, bro. I, thanks, friend. I think I've always felt like aggrieved that you don't understand how cool and great we. It's been like, and, and even Jim as well, because Jim was is a huge Jimbo. Jamie's a huge Dictaphone Blues fan, and we were always just like, there were moments where we're like we're here in the lab with Eddie, and like we knew it wasn't really not only like not super cool, but also like. It's not the most comfortable thing to have some whippersnappers up and the thing be like we fucking no love no no your no. Shit. I live I live for it and I love it because you know like. I love I love being a whippersnapper and coming across. I think of people, you as a whippersnapper, by the way. One, you know, like I my day job, I work at a guitar shop, and um, I remember what it was like going into um, guitar shops when I was, you know, a whippersnapper and coming across like the attendant that was a deacon, you know, just like a total knob, and you felt shit, you know, like you'd mm. practice to go in. 
when you're a whippersnapper to practice up your fucking three riffs that you know and you want to go in and try out the fucking $400 fucking PV fucking Stratocaster copy and you're saving up, you don't have the money yet, but you're going in and you've practiced up your, your licks and you're sitting down in the shop to play those licks is really hard, you know, and then the guys are real dicks to the, you know, the people. So I pride myself on not being that in my job and subsequently I think that crosses over to my it's and it's it's I love whippersnappers you know what I mean like I want to make them feel um the groms of the world you know like make them feel okay and fucking bring it on I love that <laughs> so you don't worry about it you don't worry about <laughs> not it not worried <laughs> thank you so much for listening everybody come to the show I'll be there it's gonna be a fucking great time it um, is gonna be cool it's like a big old nine piece band oh, it's gonna be so sick yeah um, and uh, and thank you so much for listening um, new episode every Sunday we'll be here next week catch you on the flip side goodbye <laughs>